Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this beautiful day? No, not too bad. How are you, Justin? I am doing excellent. It's nice to have some nice Houston weather that doesn't involve just like tsunamis amounts of rain. So that I've actually been enjoying. It actually feels like summer, like the end of July, which I think if we'd had a month of actual July, we would not be enjoying it. But it's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, it's not raining. Right. That's cool. Yeah. No, so. it's it, it's been good. And yeah, it's, I, I wish we would have bumped our San Antonio trip about a, two weeks because when we were there with the family, it rained the entire time. So kind of a bummer, but the kids had fun and that's what matters. Absolutely. So anyway, Matt, you came up with some really good ideas. And, you know, I think, first of all, we always... Well, we like to have things go as planned. Of course. Right? And things are good. And it's whenever things are going well and you forget about all the terrible things that can happen while you're drilling, boom, all of a sudden things happen. And for argument's sake, let's just say you get stuck. Has that ever happened to you? Never. (laughs) I mean, of course it happens. And like you said, it happens right, you know, you think you're about to finish the well. Everything seems to be going pretty smoothly. Mm. You're ready to go to bed. That's that's about the time you get stuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, this was a great idea that you had brought up. And something that we're going to walk through is when something like this happens, what's sort of the plan of action as a mud engineer? You know, What do you do? Where do you go? What kind of information do you collect? So I think tying that all together in, in more of sort of a framework type of conversation to, to say, okay, step one, what do you do? And, and that, cause it can be very, I mean, anyone who's been on a rig, when anything happens, it's stressful, kind of, you know, you get the operator want to do one thing. You have your office calling you wondering what the heck's going on. They want information. So that way when the operator calls them, they know what's going on. And so there's a lot going on, a lot of stress. So sometimes it's challenging just to take a deep breath, have some self-control, confidence, to say, okay, I know we're in a bind, but here's what we need to do. And that's one thing too, is, is when these things happen, if one person starts panicking, then the whole rig starts panicking. And then, yeah. then things can just completely like implode from there. So that's one thing where, you know, hopefully we can shine some light on if you get stuck as a mud engineer, what do you do? What kind of information you collect? So let's start there, Matt. So drilling away, everything's good. All of a sudden, you know, the rig fork calls, Hey, mud engineer, we're stuck. Come here, man. You know, you see him run to the doghouse. As a mud engineer, what, what's the first step? What do we do right out of the gate? Well, I try and break up the whole approach to one is we're assuming you've been on your game. Your mud's been in good shape. Yeah. And there's two parts to this. One is, okay, we're always going to blame the mud. But my thing is like, let's rule things out, right? So if we can show that the mud was at least within program specification, everything looked good at the time, like let's go capture a sample and start running a mud check right away, especially they're going to ask what your fluid loss was. Just go ahead and like, (laughs) I mean, whatever your routine is for running a mud check, get the jacket heated up, right? So start there. But, you know, the other part of this is maybe part of our after action decision is to tighten up properties, right? So if you have some measurements and you're even tighter than the spec in the program, you say, look, that didn't even help. Right. So let's, let's get that real time, like get a mud check, make sure we're confident that nothing has dramatically changed. You know, maybe you took a shot of water and the mud's actually, you know, not as stable as we thought. You know, who knows? So first thing to me is get a mud check and retain a mud sample. So 
get a big sample, keep a court for yourself, keep a court for, you know, sending to town or whatever. So if there's any additional analysis that needs to happen, you know, you're, I don't want to say you're covered because the thing is, as time goes on that we don't have that momentary sample anymore. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. we can only guess at what happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, I would even say it's not a bad idea to capture some cuttings just in case you could correlate with that, that a, a certain depth or what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, never hurts. I don't know what you do with it later. Right. But send it in. Yeah. No, um, it's and I want to emphasize that because it's it's one thing just to get a mud check and then kind of wait and be told, here's what we're doing next. But the more information that you can gather to relay back to, you know, whether it's the company representative on location, the directional drillers, obviously your office, you know, our office, because when these things happen, you know, I've been a mud engineer and it's like you're constantly getting texts. Hey, what were you doing? Were you rotating? And then we'll get into all of the, the, the question asking part. But it's, you know. Again, like mud check, mud sample, grab cuttings. And all of a sudden, if you if you get stuck and you're packed off and you can't circulate, well, then obviously you're going to have to do some digging in the, you know, in the cuttings bin or, you know, depending on how the rig's set up. But you'll be able to capture some of whatever was coming out of the hole at, at the, you know, right before this happened. And so, you know, collecting as much information, because what that does is you can then create, you can start building a, a narrative or you can start kind of piecing the puzzle together to identify the root cause. So the more information you can gather, you know, physical information, that's good. And then once you kind of are at a point where you've done a mud check, you've collected your samples and there's nothing really physically to be done at that point, then, I mean, one of the things I always started doing was, okay, let's, let's start looking back. What was happening leading up to this or, you know, and, and Matt, okay, so in that case, like, let's, okay, let's look back. What are some of the things that are important to key in on so that you can start, you know, documenting and then sending to the office type of thing? Well, I mean, I think there's always a question, am I differentially or mechanically stuck, right? And so we, we look for those telltale signs. And I think those are like, obviously, you can immediately get, can you rotate? Mm-hmm. Can you pick up? Can you circulate? Like, let's make sure we have answers to that right away. But then I think the other part of it is, the events right before, as you've described, where we jump in and you talk to the driller and you say, hey, you know, were we having some like tight connections? Did you did you see anything that was a little out of the ordinary? Kind of gathering a little bit of that information along with, you know, if you can look at the data recorders and, oh, wow, our torque was starting to go way up or just any of those signs where you can say, okay, this is useful information that adds some color to everything else we're doing. So, you know, pick up slack off to, you know, what were those trends? Yeah. And those are things you can normally just scan up and down the the monitor and see, right? Yeah. But then, and you can always ask, although I would assume that like the, you know, well site consultant is probably pretty busy and doesn't want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, figuring out, but normally a driller, I would say a driller or even a Derek hand, you know, might just be like, yeah, you know, I, this is what I was seeing. And so I think kind of looking looking back, and then the other thing I like to do just because sometimes no matter what we think we know, I like to make sure I have updated directional surveys just because like, are we key seated? Was there, you know, were we building some huge crazy dog leg? Was there something else? I like to gather that because, you know, like with AES, we can put in those trajectories, kind of see it in 3D and oh yeah, you know. And even if people are deliberating, you can then have this 3D visual and say, hey, like, this probably factors in. Would you disagree? And and we can we can we can see something. We're not just talking about it. 
Yeah, that's exactly. And, and one of the things too, to be able to really identify whether it's trends or anything that sort of stands out is not necessarily because everyone's going to look at the mud engineer to f- try and figure out exactly what happened. But if, if at least, you know, once the dust settles and you can talk knowledgeably about the situation, it's just you gain a little more credibility and you're really trying to be part of the solution rather than we got stuck. Okay, I'm just going to hide in the trailer house and wait till someone tells me what to do. You know, you want to be part of the conversation if, you know, the opportunity presents itself. But especially in the office, I mean, you know, as, as an account manager calling the mud engineer, I mean, these are all things that right away it's like, hey, what are we doing? Because, again, someone like myself or even you, Matt, whatever that, you know, depending on sort of how the account's set up. We're likely going to have to go into someone's office and explain or justify, defend, or at least just have a conversation around, okay, what did you notice on the mud side? And and if you can say, ah, you know, well, the mud was this, this, and that. Well, you know, looking at pace on or looking at transit, you know, we noticed our pump pressure started spiking a little bit, and therefore we may, it may suggest X, Y, Z, or just, you know, and then that way they're, oh, okay, good. Well, I'm glad you're paying attention to it. You know, that's it's part of being a partnership is, is coming up with identifying a problem together and hopefully, you know, coming up with a solution together. So again, the more information you, you can track, the better. And there's a lot of tools out there. And, and this is something that I always had on my laptop out at the rig is, and I think there's a lot of, there's spreadsheets and there's little programs and it's, it's kind of a walkthrough of questions to then it's a little calculator that says, you know, based on these answers, you are differentially stuck. And then it may or may not give you ideas on how to, you know, come out of that, which as a mud engineer, you're typically not going to say, okay, go in, jar down, put this much torque on it, this and that. But if you can understand some of the elements that are going into hopefully trying to get unstuck, then you're just more aware of what's going on. And so again, these are little tools that I like to have just for my own knowledge. And then even internally within the mud company, it's like, hey, did they try this? Did they try that? And so anyway, you know, without continue babbling there, but I think the biggest one from my perspective that's important for money engineers, like, you know, the torque trend, the pump pressure trends, pick up and slack off is good. It, it may be a little bit tough just to get like right out of the gate, but at least you can, you can look at those, you know, and then even flow rate, you know, if it's, if it kind of goes yeah. up and then drops, I mean, nine out of 10 times, and I forget where I read this, but it was, it was a credible source. I don't know if it was a paper or a textbook. But it talked about, you know, like really in-depth studies, sort of the literature says that if you look back far enough and you really monitor at a really granular level, all the surface readings, like the ones we've discussed, it actually, you could actually tell you were about to get stuck. But when, you know, you're not constantly looking at this and well, you are, but maybe not piecing it all together because over time, if you get a 50, you know, PSI increase of pump pressure over X amount of time, you may not notice it. But I say that to say also too, is is maybe that's where like automation and AI would be interesting is being able to sort of identify like warning, like this is happening. But again, for our, for our, you know, argument here is, or our conversation is gather as much data as you can. Surveys are, you know, obviously really important. And then from there, Matt, what else? I mean, okay. You get your mud sample, you get your information. Okay. As a mud engineer, then, you know, do you sit around and wait? What do you do? I mean, at that point, where do we kind of sit in the whole scope of things? Well, there's a lot of moving parts, but I will say that, you know, the other thing I want to make sure of is I want to have an idea of the plan. If I can even get a hint and sort of in anticipation, I might want to call the warehouse and say, hey, do we have, what spotting agent do we have? Mm-hmm. Get with the account manager, say, hey, let's put together a proposed spotting agent under this. Well, we're just so we're ready. And the thing is that 
I know when we've talked about stuck pipe in the past and, and spotting agents, like it's supposed to be if you're differentially stuck, but sometimes nobody can agree. Other times, you know, you were mechanically stuck and then you got differentially stuck. Like there's any number of reasons, but sometimes I think it's just, well, we're waiting to either pick up jars or, you know, do whatever else we need to do to, to try and get free. Someone wants to do something. And because of that, we may as well start planning on spotting, having a spotting agent ready with a specific set of recommendations so nobody's waiting on us. Yeah. And at least offer something, not necessarily like, oh, hey, I know we're stuck. Do you want this? But just if it comes up, be like, yeah, I've actually prepared, you know, a procedure in advance that we could review. And, you know, if it never comes up, it never comes up. But you'd be surprised the number of times, you know, it's like, well, we're probably mechanically stuck, but I still want to spot something. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, and so I think the procedures and then I think even I have very mixed feelings about the circumstances and conditions of, for example, using acid. But when it happens, making sure that everybody is safe, understanding everybody's role. And I mean, the arguments, the acid is supposed to get spent down hole, right? But they usually ask, you know, hey, how can we how many sacks is it going to take to neutralize acid when it comes back up to surface? So. If that's coming up, I mean, number one, if it's oil-based mud, spotting acid doesn't really work unless you have a water wetting agent, assuming you're in carbonate and you're hoping to dissolve away some of the formation or whatever. And so that might be something that you can be ready for. I think the other thing is just making sure if anything comes back that the materials are in place, everybody knows who's authorized to handle those things, PPE requirements, all that stuff. And then what you would do to make sure this stuff can be neutralized and safely disposed of when it comes back. Mm -hmm. Understanding that especially if it's oil-based mud, you're going to have a bunch of garbage coming back too. You're going to have torn up mud and other things. So I am not a strong advocate of acid. It just keeps getting, you know, pushed our way in times where it's, okay, We just I just want to make sure everybody's safe. Yeah. So thinking that through and then, you know, the last part of it is whatever you do, like, let's make sure it's clearly in the mud report. You know, if we jarred for six hours, like get as much information you can on how many times, what we saw, like yeah. if we get free, what actually got us free. I also find that many times that spotting agent gets credit when really it was, we just jarred for long enough. We got <laughs> free, but yeah. you know, Hey, every once in a while we deserve a win. Right. So, well, and, and so you know, at that point, let's just say, you know, you got lucky and you were managed to get unstuck and it's like, okay, let's get out of the hole. And, and they go back in. And, and one thing to to note is that, you know, if depending on how long you've been stuck and how deep you are, if it's been hot and you've been down for a long time, like the mud's going to be different than what it looked like while you were drilling. So yeah. let's not, you know, you know, wave the red flag and, and like cause alarms like that may be something if if you do get the opportunity to talk to folks on location that are hopefully their blood pressures come down a little bit. You say, hey, I know on this bottoms up, like things are going to look a little different. I'll be able to get the mud back in shape, but just don't be alarmed if it looks a lot different or the mud weight is considerably different because like, again, it's just kind of like when we do lab testing, and you do some hot rolling. Sometimes things change depending on the conditions or all of a sudden, you know, if you're drilling and you get stuck and you're down, well, if all of a sudden, you know, you never know, you might have a little bit of a water influx that you wouldn't notice while you're drilling because it was so small. But if, you know, it's, let's say it was like 
whatever, just point being is that on your bottoms up after being stuck and hopefully circulating again, things are going to look different. So hopefully you're, you know, allowed some time to get things back in shape, which at that point it's like, okay, well, let's just get the TD and get this thing over with because we've already spent a ton of money and time. But it just, I've had that happen where you're down or even whether it's stuck or not, if you've got mud in the hole and you go to circulate it after a day, two or three, it takes time to get things back in shape. And so just hopefully like, you know, communicating with people to express that, to say, hey, this is what's happening. So I just want to throw that out there. No, it's a really good point. I think there's, especially like you said, everybody's ready to get head drilling. And it's almost like, look, okay, we got through all that. But, you know, just raising your hand saying, hey, I need to get this stuff into shape. Like, let's let's make sure I have some hands available because we're going to need to do a treatment. And I, I mean, it sort of opens up this trap, right? They're like, oh, so are we stuck because the mud's in bad shape? It's like, no, we've been static for three days and the mud's just probably not where it needs to be to keep drilling. Right. But, you know, that's not what got us stuck. Um, (laughs) Exactly. But it is worth pointing out like, hey, you know, we've been static for a while. Let me me clean it up. Give me a little bit of time. But the faster we do this, the more, you know, hopefully sure of ourselves we can be that we're not going to get stuck again. Yeah. And it's, you know, taking it a step further, there's a decent chance that no matter what happens, they're going to want to tighten up properties. Of course. Just doesn't matter if you were key seated, it'll be like, no, let's get the fluid lost down. Like once you're kind of snake bit, you start thinking of every other thing that could go wrong. And so now we're going to do everything we can, you know, until we can go long enough to forget about what happened. <laughs> and so you're going to, you may actually be asked to, you know, tighten up some fluid loss or, you know, bump up the rheology, do, do a few different things that, aren't on the program, but everybody's just decided for the sake of feeling like we've done something to avoid a repeat event, mm-hmm. we're going to make a change. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I feel like that's sort of the the cycle. But I, I do want to point out, you know, a lot of the things that you do at the rig site, you know how much gets lost in translation between the rig in town, or even just the fact that this stuff is so stressful and everybody's all wound up that sometimes it's hard to remember events and how they happened or you know, things like that. That's just very, very helpful to get all that information in advance. And then once you've got it, perhaps there's some trend or something. You say, well, this is a little different or, you know, we, maybe we can isolate it to this geology or this area or or maybe something you would change about the mud, quite honestly. Yeah. But then to actually capture that as a lesson learned and say, hey, this is different because we don't get stuck very often. Right. But when we do you don't want to run away, you know, run past that and be like, oh, thank goodness that's over. Right. And then next time you go back to that area, find yourself in the same situation. Because most of the time I think we go back like, well, we got stuck before, but we don't really know why. So like, we'll just go back to what we were doing and hope hope it goes better. When there's an opportunity, if you get all this information at the time, yeah, that we could actually say, no, we think it was either this or this. So let's at least keep that in mind for the next one. No, that's a great point, Matt. And I think a great way to end it, unless you got any other points, but you know, we've covered it and and there's certainly so many other scenarios and situations and other things that we can elaborate on. But uh, again, I think it gives a good understanding as to if this happens, here's some things to consider as a money engineer, don't panic, make a checklist and attack and communicate as best you can. And with that said, if you do have anything you want to add to this, again, this is a conversation that Matt and I are having, but there's certainly other things that can be, I'm sure, added hit us up on LinkedIn or, you know, we've got the email, the Flowline podcast at aesfluids.com. Please like, share, and review. That keeps things going. And with that said, 
Be safe and happy drilling, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.